0: Pete Montfrey. Let's get into the B2B marketing mindset, shall we? Just under the wire at 11 o'clock every Thursday. Hey, listen, you're going to want to pay attention to today's podcast because we're going to spill our guts and reveal the two magic bullets that all but ensure growth and profitability for B2B companies. But before you get too excited, let me introduce my co-host, Bill Lowell, who is broadcasting from deep underground in an undisclosed Arctic
1: location. Hey, Bill, how's it going? I'm deep down in the bunker, so you may have to yell at me a little bit louder so I can hear you then. Under the Thank ice, you. in the ice tunnel. <laughs> uh, yeah, We've actually had beautiful weather here. It's been it's 60 degrees today, you know? You know, that's fantastic. Uh,
0: yeah. You know, I mostly just tease. Of course, I lived in Wisconsin for a really long time and uh, So, but I also lived in Wyoming where they have this thing where one day it's 10 below zero and the next day it's 65. And so it snows like nuts and then it melts the next day. It's a crazy weather environment.
1: Um, And you're in Austin, Texas now for the last, what, 25 years?
0: Not that long. Uh, two thousand and six, I believe we okay. came to beautiful Austin, Texas, and uh, we usually have our Austin cam up, but today is the day of technical problems. You mentioned the cell phones being out across the country. Yeah, that's crazy. I'll have to look into that. We know we definitely were having a bunch of tech problems. We didn't think we'd be able to run on time, but uh, but what the heck? Hopefully, it's working. New. And uh, I New heard ever- a rumor though that you have owned and run a B two B company for a few decades. Why am I those last to know with this stuff?
1: (laughs) You know, I probably need somebody good at marketing or public relations to get the word out. That's why. No one, you know, no one knows. But that's been the marketing strategy is just don't tell anybody, you know.
0: (laughs) That's a good one. That's a good one. Well, I love this idea of silver bullets because I think people don't actually ever say, hey, tell me the silver bullet. But oftentimes it's pretty clear that that is what they're looking for. What's that one thing? Or those yeah. two things that i should do and i've always said there ain't there isn't any yeah but i'm going to reveal them now today Ooh. so maybe so curly
1: I... curly from city slickers would be proud of you right the that's one right thing you're going to tell that's them. right but there's just, two things
0: but there's two so it's twice as better as that um yeah. twice as better uh so one thing before we start real quick um you know, so these are the two things that B2B companies need to do to be successful. We'll break them down a little bit. I think they're obvious, but for some reason these sort of fundamental things seem lost on people. But I wanted to tell you that you can subscribe on your favorite platform. That could be iHeartRadio or Spotify or Amazon or Apple Podcasts, wherever you like, uh, but also head over to b2bmarketingmindset.com. You're going to find a lot more content, and very soon we're going to be launching a whole bunch of free B2B marketing courses. So you can uh, sign up there and, and stay in the loop, so you get the announcements of the of the courses. Uh, that's pretty cool, huh?
1: That's great. Yeah.
0: Worth the effort, I would say. Um, and so, uh, but you can you know you can also listen to us in audio form everywhere fine podcasts are consumed. So. You know, full disclosure. Um, Bill and I have, you know, started and owned B two B companies for decades. Uh, we've known each other for that long. We have, but but I think more importantly, I mean, we so we have like our own personal experiences, very personal, like struggling with a lot of the same things our clients struggle with, our own confirmation bias things that we believe in our heads that might not really be true. We suffer from it, I think. Do you? Do you have trouble seeing your business because you're so close to it?
1: No, I you know, I I see it, but I I think maybe (laughs) in the earlier days (laughs) we we did. But no, I I feel pretty confident about it. But it's only because we've been preaching stuff so long that, you know, if you don't if you don't listen to it for yourself, you're in trouble.
0: Yeah, and I think I don't sometimes. I mean, I do huh. think that I'm too close to it and I do bring in help and, and I've brought yeah. in marketing people and I've gotten yeah. sales training. and, um, But I guess you're right. As I get older, I'll, I'll ask people things, you know, hey, am I crazy on this? Yeah. No, you got it. You know, you're yeah. seeing it, you know, but but I still question everything. Um, But
1: that's that's a good thing. And even like you said, to bring in outside experts or go to a seminar or something, those are always positive things. I mean, even if you learn one thing, I think that that's a that's a good thing. Or you meet one other person, I think that that's good. So
0: well, and one reason that we can do our jobs and that we're valuable to clients and all this is not just because we've run our own B2B companies, uh, but we've got experience with literally I mean, this is hard for people to grasp. Hundreds and hundreds, unless you're a consultant, right? You'll get it right yeah. away. But hundreds of B2B companies and most of them, it's all about driving more opportunities, leads, better leads, closing more deals—all about growth. But they're usually missing these fundamental silver bullets. I mean, they're—they're they're, sometimes they're doing one, but they're not doing the other, or maybe they—they—they they are familiar with these ideas. <laughs> these are not obscure ideas. You'll see in a minute, um, but maybe they're not executing them very well. So we'll talk a little bit about. That and you know, I guess what what we've learned in all those engagements. And
1: sometimes I think it's like you just mentioned earlier, Pete. You know, sometimes, you know, it's hard if you're in marketing or if you're in this business. It's it's hard sometimes to take your own advice or to do the things because you're just everybody gets so busy, you know. So what is that about the cobbler's shoes? You know what I mean? It's the same kind of story, you know.
0: It's true. It's really true, and it's it's also so it, it. before we jump into the titles in this, in, in each we usually do five points on the show. Five, not five, five. Um, and uh, but before we jump into that, I think that's a really important idea. We're we're pretty small companies at the end of the day. A lot of our clients are much much bigger than us, and so they have more resources, and they can they can do more things. If anything, I think because of the types of business we're in. You know, we really have to have a tight ship uh, because. We, we just we don't have the resources of say a 50 million dollar company so um, but let's talk about it uh, the first one is silver bullet number one learn modern sales method I don't I don't know if that is clear to everybody what I mean by that but so Why
1: don't many, you tell
0: us well I think I will okay good <laughs> uh, so many organizations are selling based on principles in the fifth, you know, that come from the fifties. Maybe it's Zig Ziglar, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's the, uh, it's where the salesperson is at the mercy of the prospect. Whatever the prospect asks, the salespeople, the salesperson agrees. Uh, Let me get that quote for you as soon as possible. Hey, sure you could call me at nine o'clock. Would I follow up with you in three weeks? Absolutely, sir. Um, and it does work. This is one of the things about traditional selling where you're just beating the pavement and you're pounding down the doors and you're doing you're pitching everybody. These are the emails that you get that are like, Hi, my name is blah blah. And here are the blah blah ten things, you know, we do. I mean in a very traditional way. There's a better way. I personally, uh, you know, over the years you've seen things like spin selling, uh you know, selling to the C-suite, consultative selling, right? They're going in the right direction. They're getting more modern there. But for me, Sandler Sales pulled it together for me. So Sandler Sales uh, Systems, I think they're called. They're in every city. It's a huge company. Um, Started by David Sandler. I'm not affiliated with them, by the way. Uh, But I have to say, I was a traditional sales guy, built a company, so it does work. The problem is it's brutal you know my life was ugly you know i was just controlled by the market and and i didn't have my own process so i was defaulting to the buyer's process um and i've got some videos on that we'll try to post some links maybe somebody can find those videos and post links in the comments but the traditional versus the modern sales method so that's my silver bullet one is learn how to sell the way that B2B companies sell in 2024.
1: And and I think one of the big parts of that, and we had this on our big forum that we ran with all those uh, unique and wonderful people that were involved that in that, where it's like times have changed. I mean, just like like we learned the, the people want more self-service now, so they want more. Um, you know they want more digital help instead of the one-on-one that used to be there. Although the one-on-one is still important to some extent, so I think the real important message is, and the and that's the thing that I go with is like, how how does your prospects, customers, markets, how do they want to meet you, buy from you, that kind of good stuff. So if if you don't know that and you're still, you know, you're still applying the old traditional methods, it may not work for everybody, but it might work for some. So I think. You know you need you need to know uh what are people's preferences and i think that that's going to be really important and, and we've right. talked about this before and there's a lot of things like with people where they'll give the disc profile or they'll try to find out the the personality you know profiles of each of their customers i think that that's sometimes helpful too but you know they the disk
0: the profiles of the personality profiles of salespeople, and then you can yeah. help manage them better but I look at it like Sandler taught me how to allow people to buy, yes, and not be trying to sell something. Right. Um, and there's a subtle difference, but it's too much to go into for today. But you know, yeah. if you're doing a ton of following up, and you're chasing and you're getting ghosted all the time, and you just think it's part of sales, right? You're making cold calls and you're pitching your wares, pitch your wares, pitch your wares. Let me tell you how I'm going to make your life better. I'm going to I'm going to solve all your problems, Bill. You know, uh, if you're not asking questions 80 percent of the time in the interaction with a prospect, you're probably not using a modern sales method, right? If you're not I, I, there to solve a problem, you're there to hawk goods or services. You're probably not selling in a modern process. If you're curious about uh, this, ping me. I love talking about it. Um,
1: yeah, I wanted, I wanted to mention a couple of things though. One. Um, early in my career I remember getting disgusted with people because they would say you're a really good salesperson and I, I would get mad because I think I've got a graduate degree I'm in consulting I you know I am not in consult. and I would get really really upset and then one day my dad sat me down and he said you know what you know some of the most wealthy people some of the most successful people they're all salespeople whether they're in sales or not everybody's in sales and that kinda of turned the light on for me and it's like You know, that's a really good point. So it doesn't matter if you're in engineering or if you're the CEO of a company or if you're in market. Everybody is really or should be in sales. I mean, you're in sales whether you know it or not. So you better get good at it because. And then the second thing that I learned, which, you know, you know, because we keep on referring to Ed Schwartzkopf, But, you know, they used to. In my early days in the consulting, we would, I would always ask, you know, Ed, what do we do, what do we do? And he'd always say, we're going to just go and give them a good listening to. And to me, those (sighs) are magical words because, you know, he said, if you, if you give them a good listening to, they're going to tell you all their problems or their issues or what's, what's bothering them. And then you can maybe solve it or refer them to somebody, you know?
0: Absolutely. And hey, you know, I always thought you were a good salesperson even 30 years ago. I mean, I just, you had the, you had the people skills. Uh, but I think that, you know, if we wanted to be broader and we'll jump to the next topic here. But yeah. uh, a lot of companies really don't have a sales methodology. They really just. well uh, there's they like they haven't they're not following any methodology. They haven't developed their own. They're just purely reactive to buyers. And, um, you know, it's something to think about. But one of the silver bullets is learn how to sell, you know, make yeah. sure that you have the skills. And keep in mind, buyers, there are a lot of buyers out there that are literally educated to, in buying. <laughs> they have a process, let me tell you. Right. Uh, so, and other people that aren't specifically trained in buying, they have a process too. It's subconscious, and we all do it. But if you are going into that lion's den and you don't have any specific process or methodology that fo- to follow, you're going to be at a disadvantage in that buyer seller uh, dance, right? So these are all things I learned. uh, And, you know, thank God for David Sandler. Uh, If you hate sales, uh, let me know that, too.
1: This would be a fun topic just in itself sometimes because there's so many things that that I've learned over the years and I'm sure that you have, too, as well, you know, it just is a fascinating topic, you know. I just think yeah, well,
0: we'll have Frank Gustafsson uh, uh, from Sandler. We're going to have oh, him as go. a guest. Uh, I think he is scheduled. Um, and so let's jump into silver bullet number two. Cool. Develop a marketing plan. These. You don't need that. That's these are mysterious. <laughs> how, how do we come up with these secret things?
1: No, this, that's just a dumb idea that will never work. <laughs> <laughs> it's never going to work. Exactly. Forget it. You know, we want to wing it. We don't need to. We don't need to have any kind of plan in place.
0: And listen, today's marketplace, in terms of tools and
1: all the stuff that goes on, it's simple.
0: You don't need a plan for that. You just try yeah. stuff, right? Exactly. Like
1: give it a shot, man. Right. Spend it some all checks. that money. Spend all that money that you don't want to spend or don't have. Let's and then just you'll get it right eventually.
0: But then I get so sad. I get so sad at the end of the year when I just can't figure out if I got a return on my marketing investment. I'm just bummed. Or maybe I just maybe I know I lost my shirt But isn't that part of it, though? Isn't that why the our CPA has a line in our P&L and it's an expense category called marketing? OK, uh, that's enough of that. Um,
1: exactly. But, we don't want to talk about that. Marketing listen, subject.
0: If you think marketing is an expense, in other words, it's something that you just put money into because you're supposed to, you hope it works, It's just, but it's an expense, then you're doing it wrong, okay? Uh, it should be an investment. Every dollar you put into marketing, you should be able to get three, four, five, I don't know how many dollars back, but more than one, um, and so... Th- This topic is so important because I think a lot of companies are selling in some way, shape or form. And for many companies, it's working for them because I call it the slot machine theory. The way traditional sales work is it works just enough to keep you pulling the lever. (laughs) But if you look at the actual cost of just let's say you're you're only there's a lot of companies that only sell. They don't really do marketing. They probably got a VP of sales and marketing who gets compensated on sales, so marketing doesn't really get done. But um, uh, if, they, if they understood the sheer amount of cost, it's taking their cost of acquisition, they would be very unhappy. Um, but then there are companies who maybe they're doing sales and marketing, but they're not executing one or both of them very well at all. And again, that's you, you got to do both of these things together and you need to do them well. Both selling and marketing require a plan. Is that revolutionary? Is somebody out there like their mind is blown out? What?
1: Well, I think it's just like any other plan in business. You know, you've got to follow the plan because there are so many things that happen in the course of a business year that take you off course or distract you or get you where you're you're no longer focusing on what you need to do. And having the plan can bring you back. I mean, it, it can also help you if somebody else is trying to sell you something and they're really good. Again, go back to your plan. Does the plan support what these people are asking? So, I mean, I, there are just so many good reasons to do it. But how are you gonna know if you're successful if you don't have that plan where you do a debrief at the end of the year? I mean, theres I could give you a hundred things on this. you know.
0: Well, what is a plan really? And. You know, Alex Nesbitt is a guy. Look him up on on uh, LinkedIn. Who really does a great job delineating. Wasn't he
1: on uh, WKRP in Cincinnati? <laughs> no, no, he
0: wasn't. Um, okay. But uh, hopefully, he'll be on our podcast. But okay. you know, delineating strategy from planning—right? This would get people get that confused. But we're talking about a plan. Um, so I always think of it. And I, I agree with that entirely. I mean, I think it it helps guide what you're doing. it Plans should be flexible, by the way, you're going to probably right. have to change it, right? Everybody has a plan Definitely. until they get punched in the face. Yeah. Um, but what it is, if we just break it down, is a decision making process. Um, but I always think of it more like, if I'm going to build a complex structure of some kind, I'm going to probably have some sort of blueprint, right? Because there's too many pieces of parts to get them all to work together in a unified way. And if I'm doing sales well, I'm going to want to. I want. I'm going to want to interface with my sales function so that it's working with that also. So you've got an. In, you don't have a bunch of silos. Your website over here, and you're doing social media over there, and you're. God only knows what you're doing out there. Uh, but they're all disconnected. The planning process, by its nature, allows you to manage complex activities, like a system, but it also allows a team later on to implement the system. Right? It's very different if it's a team of people (laughs) trying to do marketing or if it's just one person or a bunch of people without a plan or whatever. There's all combinations of variables here, but I'm just wondering if there's somebody out there that's like, what is a plan? What is that? What do you mean?
1: Well, but I've never I think, heard of it. I no. do think there's people have different definitions of what that plan consists of. So, I mean, so some people might be saying that, you know, or some people might already be doing it, Pete. And they just didn't know that they were actually doing planning. I mean, so. True. Uh, so Very true. We, you know, yeah. and we
0: don't mean to, you know, uh, we don't want to sound like, hey, everybody's stupid but us. But um these are just process kind of challenges that a lot of companies have in the way that they make decisions. And we're applying it to sales and marketing, but it could be anything. It could be the way that you plan your factory floor. Exactly. I mean, it could be the way that you decide to structure your finance operation. You're probably going to have a plan of some kind, but for some reason, marketing, especially smaller and mid-sized companies, they really just don't really have a decision-making process. They tend to do things one little piece at a time. Um, It's very frustrating and, and it turns into an expense because it can't work. This is why I wanted to talk about it. If you're struggling with marketing, you're not sure if you're getting a return, you're not growing the way you want, ask yourself, do you have a real marketing plan? Not a list of tasks or a spreadsheet of numbers. Mm-hmm. but did you go through a journey a process with your team where you asked all the questions again even the ones you th- think you know the answers to you asked them again you did it in an organized way you and let's talk let's talk about the steps right because I, like I think people will see what where we're going with this and maybe you' do maybe you have a plan maybe you don't uh, let's talk about the steps you could see if you have a plan or not
1: I, I love it I love it. And by the way,
0: there is kind of a format, the American Marketing Association. there are best practices and what a, what's included in a plan, what are the sections what you know that can vary though depending on the circumstance. but there is a standard just so you know. So this is not what we're talking about today isn't really a big secret. It's just that I somehow it's becoming a lost art. Um, you start with a diagnostic or a situation review. Right. Anytime you make any decision, what's the first thing you do? You assess. What are we trying to solve? Yeah. What are the circumstances? What's situation? Um, what are the outcomes we want? What are the goals? Right. SMART goals, for example.
1: Um, I would I would add a add a few others oh. there. Um, I mean, you mentioned manufacturing, but. Um, it doesn't matter too. I mean, you you mentioned the goals part of it, and so the reason I'm saying that is, what happens? And I'm and I see this a lot, and I'm sure you do as well, where somebody will come to you and say, "We want to grow by 20 next year, or in the next three years, we want to double our you know double our revenues, or whatever the case is." And I always, you know, to me, that first assessment, like you were talking about, is yes, you want to find out the goals, objectives, where they want to go, and all that kind of good stuff, but it's asking those tough questions too, because it's like, all right, you want to grow. Do you have the structures in place already now? That's why I talked about manufacturing. I mean, are you able to deliver what, let's say that we do double your sales. Are you able to deliver or are are we going to ruin your company because you can't deliver and you're going to be a customer service nightmare? You know what I mean? So, so, so part of it is, you know, asking the art of the possible, you know what I mean? Okay. So asking what, you know, what is key, and I've got a, a ton more that I can say in this stage, but this stage is really important as far as I'm concerned. Well,
0: a typical marketing firm might do a few hours of discovery.
1: Okay? Yeah, which is it's, sad.
0: It's not enough, and no. even if you're not using an external person or, or a firm or you have an internal department, you know, this, the way we do discovery anyway is we look at every part operationally of the business and we ask a, a lot of questions uh, and we ask questions that maybe sometimes the, I always like it. when We ask a question that the reaction is that that's a really obvious question. Yes, yeah. it is. And I'm not going to assume anything, but you know, what people like us do is we we make this pain less painful. It, we, we compress the amount of time it takes to go through that systematically through the business. And what you're really looking for are gaps in when you're doing your initial diagnostic or situational review or discovery, whatever it is you want to call it, you're actually you're not looking for the things that you're certain of, uh, but you still might ask those questions. You're really looking for the things that you're not certain of. Or that maybe the information you have comes from a dubious source, right, from 25 years ago, you know, an old CEO that's no longer employed by the company who decided this thing that everybody's now believed for the last 25 years. Exactly, I love Maybe that. it's that, okay, yeah. we would call that a gap or a critical question, right? So once you go through that process and all we do as facilitators is we organize that for you and we make it so that it goes fast and so you're not seven months from now you're still not assessing your situation that's
1: that happens all of the time uh, by the way uh, we can by the way I think part of that we is we the beginning that stages of what makes you unique or what makes you special or what's what makes you different I know we're going to find it out as we go through this process but uh, as as Mark Twain says, it's what we know that just ain't so. I mean, so sometimes companies will think they're unique in certain areas and we right. end up talking to the next step and you find out that's not true at all. You know, so.
0: Well, right. And I just saw this very recently. The thing was, the thing that made them different was service. Let me tell yeah, you something, right. service. Here's the thing. Every single company in that space says that service is the thing that makes them different. Okay. Exactly. So. Yeah you got to go deeper than that uh but the way to to get there is to go through a deliberate process of making decisions which we are outlining for you right now so that's step 1 uh ask all the questions man um ask by them. the way i
1: i just had one last week that i met with uh that was a prospect they told me they have zero competition that their work is so good that no one can compete with them and i i where do you go with that? You know what I
0: mean? I think the I best like to thing s- to neck is just to walk out the door. Because- I think so. I like to say, what about the competition of doing nothing? Did you think exactly. of that one? Yeah. Uh, but I guarantee you there are. Op- so what is competition? It's an option other than you. That's
1: exactly it.
0: Yes. Yeah. So well, who is your competition? But yeah. what you're going to end up with, if you do a good diagnostic situation, discovery review, you're going to you're going to end up with a long list of gaps in. Yeah. And we call them critical questions here, but some people call them gaps. But they're people, processes, and information. That's what you're looking for. And it's and sometimes it's a combination of those things, right? Like somebody's not following the process. That's a people and process problem. There's no process at all. Yeah. <laughs> That's a process problem. Uh, or you don't have good information. Maybe your information's outdated. Maybe it's company lore that somehow turned into fact over time. Something like that. Um, you're assuming. You don't have any competition. right? I would ask, could you tell me about the last competitive analysis that you did of the marketplace? And they'll be like,
1: Don't need one.
0: I don't need to do that. I've been in this business for 20 years, mis- mister. Well, you listen, don't. dude, you were in diapers when I was, you know, never mind. I'm not going to go there. All right. But we're moving I, just, on. I just politely say, we're just, hey, man, you're probably, you're probably right, brother. I'm going to put that in the assumptions pile though, okay? So a lot of times we have a really long list of questions and, and honestly, too many questions. If you've heard the term targeted research, which I bet you have, since you own a research uh, marketing research firm, what are we talking about? We're, we're talking about narrowing down the questions that we're going to expend resources on to get answered. And, and let me tell you, it ain't going to be all of your questions. It's going to be the ones that you've designated the most critical questions. Sometimes there's 50, sometimes there's 30. But we usually start with 100 and 200 questions. So
1: yeah.
0: you know, we have a way to score those, the client can score and we, we can prioritize those questions, oh. right? Critical so questions. So research,
1: research is the next step, so. Is it is, we're... let's jump
0: to it. So what okay. are we researching? You know, you gotta have a, a, a pretty good sense of what data that you're looking for in. And it's usually in the form of a question. I'll give you an example. What is the primary, uh, the, what is the most important thing that prospects consider when choosing one? I'll use marketing firm like us, marketing firm over another. That's a really clear question, yeah. and that can be answered with customer research. So, usually the next step once we get those questions is customer and competitive research. And I'm turning that over to you.
1: Well, I'll talk about each of those in just a second, but typically what I like to do with my clients and, and one of the things that I've always taught all my staff members, when you think about research, it's actually really, really simple. All you have to do is there's three things to ask. The one question is, what do you want to know or what do you want to learn? The second thing is, who would be the best person that to be able to tell you that information or where do you want to find that information? So like, From whom do you want to learn this information? And then the third thing is, what's the best medium in order to get to them? Whether that's one-on-one interview, phone, focus group, you know, what's what's the best way that, that you can reach them? Once you get those three things answered, I think you can break it down into, you know, and it usually does go customer, competitor, industry usually. But I mean, those those three questions, I think, make it really simple for any organization to go, oh, I get it now. I get what you're asking. me.
0: You know, know, a lot of product companies will say, look, we've done we've done a raft of competitive research. We don't need to do it. That's a different kind of research than what we're talking about. We're talking about research tailored. You know, we're not going to be looking at software features and technology and prices. And, you know, it might be a superficial part of it, depending on if that's super important to the client. But we're really looking at how are your competitors executing their marketing? What are their Mm -hmm. messages? How are they positioning themselves? Yes. Um, What methods are they using? I mean, do you have a large company in your field that maybe you don't compete with them directly because you're smaller, But let me tell you, are they have are they likely to have invested a ton in research? Right. Right? You might find things that you can emulate. You might find things where they're super weak that you can out execute. There's so many things. And of course, you do have to narrow it down because nobody has enough budget to answer every question imaginable. Um, But you're talking primarily about uh, primarily you're talking about primary research. But tell me about secondary research where there's no there's no whom involved. Is there, right. I mean? Am I getting that right?
1: Well, I think it could be. It could be the whom could be from some industry expert, you know, and that could be a trade publication or association or something else that already has some data. But secondary research, as I'm sure everybody watching this knows, is just stuff that's already available. So maybe there's a study that's already been done. Maybe there's uh, some industry analysis that's already been done. Maybe you've already got some expert interviews, but it's like, let's go out and find some of that. And that's actually really inexpensive and a nice way to be able to capture uh, some some really good data. There so is I a think... ton of data out there, yeah. and coming up, we're going to have as a guest
0: Tim Hayden from Brain Trust Partners, um, and and he's really he's going to be amazing when we're talking about data. But that let me take just a minute. And next week we have Steve Harper uh, from hmm. Ripple, the the Ripple, uh, which is a it's a philosophy, it's a networking thing, it's an organization, uh, it's a fraternity, but. Steve started this many years ago, and he's just a, a great person, owns a number of companies, very savvy businessman, good marketer. It's going to be fun having Steve Harper on next Thursday. So, um, you know, don't, I always try to do this program, but, and I, I don't want to assume people know what anything means, right? Because things are so convoluted now. I mean, I feel like we're in the post-truth era. And so, you know, people might not know what secondary research means, but man, secondary research, wow, it is awesome. And, and, you know, Bill, Bill's company subscribes to databases that you don't subscribe to and don't have access to. There is a ton of data. This is when somebody says big data, usually that's what they're talking about is secondary research. So it's so important to do your research because otherwise you're going to base all your decisions on your own cognitive bias you or your organization's biases, right? Yep. And you're going to be 95% right, right? Our, customer, mm-hmm. our clients know their business. Am I given? is it the percentage lower? I'm
1: being oh, gracious. I, I think you are being very kind today.
0: <laughs> well, I always think it's the 5% that you get wrong that really is what trips you up. Maybe you're well, 80% exactly. right and it's 20%, but most of the time, eh. People know their businesses pretty well. They're close, but COVID is one of the big game changers, right? Maybe you knew 90%, you were 95% right before COVID. COVID changed so many things, you're probably more like 70% right now if you're lucky. And so if you haven't done research in market research uh, since COVID, the shutdown, you know, I mean, look at what AI is doing, right? I mean, oh, I you need to know what's going on out in the market. And so, you know, reach out to Bill. Um, he's your guy on that. Thank but you. So that's the next step. So what okay. we did, a we did a discovery diagnostic mm-hmm. situation review. We identified right. critical questions. We went out into the market and got answers to the questions. So now what do we have? We have information from internally. That's got some bias in it. But we have data now externally that we can check our assumptions and learn new things that no one thought of. My favorite part, your favorite part. We always learn something that we're like, holy crap, (laughs) you know. Um, And this is where the magic happens. And what we're saying is if you you go through this and have the discipline to do it, I'm going to just throw it out there. 100% of the time, you're going to see success in your marketing program. This is what we've seen over the years. Clients that follow this process, I have to say almost always, but honestly, I can't think of anybody who followed the process and executed really well that didn't get where they wanted to go. I can't think of a single one. Now, a lot of people just don't execute very well, but, or they say, oh, we're not going to do the research.
1: We know our business. Well, they don't pay attention. I've had, this could be a whole nother show, but- I've had some people that where I brought them what I thought was some gold and they just decided to ignore it and um you know so that's a, that's a whole other story like I said. Yeah,
0: there's so many variables but um some of the, if if you got if you have a good facilitator, we actually can control a lot of these things. And that's only if you listen to folks. And maybe it's maybe there're people on your team that you need to listen to. But everybody needs to listen and let the data guide you. I think that's the big thing yeah. because now that you have this huge pile of data that is now correlated <laughs> and made sense of because you're going through a deliberate process, the strategy really emerges from the data. Like This is a big misunderstanding, I think, about what marketing people do because I've had people do- say this to me. They're like, my tie's crooked. It's bothering me um they said uh just tell us what we should do man why don't you just tell us like why do we have to go through all this pain you know and time and effort and when you just tell us aren't you an expert in this bill just tell me what to do should we tell them should we tell the audience the truth
1: yeah tell them to do research (laughs) here's well here's my truth yeah
0: you know I'm going to tell you the truth here in two seconds, but I'm going to give you a little background. When I was younger, I would, I might dance around that a little bit because I wasn't sure how to answer it. Well, of course I know. But, uh, yeah. you know, listen, here's the fact is I don't know. All right. I don't know the answers for your company. Have I worked with 15 companies like yours? Of course. Um I've been doing this for a long time, but have I worked with a company exactly like yours, with your exact situation and your exact critical questions and your exact Mm -hmm. market uh, situation? The fact is, I don't know the answers. It's not my job. My job is to know the questions and to interpret data to help to help you collaborate. And the answers you seek are in the data, and Mm instead of just it. I always, I always think of like sitting around a conference table and all the data's in the middle of the table uh, and people are just like, okay, yes, let's do that. Because one, your customers are going to tell you exactly what you need to know to succeed.
1: Right.
0: You just have to ask them.
1: And they'll be flattered and honored that you asked them too, by the way.
0: They're not always right. You know, everybody always talks about... Uh, was it Tim Cook or was it uh, Steve Jobs who decided that Apple didn't need to listen? who your know, customers don't know shit? We're going to do whatever we want. Hey, you know, it worked out for Apple for one reason or another, but probably not because of that decision. Right. right? Customers know a lot and, and they know a lot that you don't know. And um, you can base strategic decisions on what a, a sample of customers um know if 85% of the people agree that this one factor is how they choose one over another, maybe you should talk about that in your marketing, right? Um, So build that strategy, uh, based on the research, not just on kind of lore and uh, bias and all that good stuff. And then the last step in this onerous process, this process lost to time, this elusive process that is makes the difference between whether you're flushing your money down the toilet or you're actually getting $4 back from every dollar you spend. You need to execute that plan, uh, track it. And this is the part I think people get lost on. It's, it's really marketing and sales, by the way, and almost everything in business, it's a game of continual improvement, is it not? Mm-hmm. Do you ever just, just right out of the gate, just blow it out of the water? I mean, is that a realistic expectation for anyone?
1: I, I think the only time that that happens is when I listen to my wife. Otherwise, <laughs> everything else, everything else needs research. So if I listen to her, I'm usually ready you to can make count a count on decision. that. Exactly, um, exactly. But no, right. I, I don't think, I don't think people. And put out of the water. But you know, with regard to your market planning, I think that having that plan is really good. Scheduling and budgeting, scheduling and budgeting. And then like you talked about, how do how are we gonna implement? Who's gonna be responsible? Roles I mean, well, are the
0: responsibilities, important. timing, scope, um yes. measurement, yes. KPIs. Um yes. and it don't have too many KPIs either. You won't be able to track it, right? Unless right. you're you know, unless you're Johnson and Johnson.
1: Um and, and by the way, you can put together your marketing plan by those objectives, those KPIs, or you can do it by your target audience, or you can do it by, you know, the media that you're going. I mean, so lots of ways to put it together. But I think the key is get that plan down.
0: Well, and at the risk of self-promotion, I mean, that that's the stuff. This is where we really can help companies is it isn't just tell us the answers. It isn't just ask us the questions. It's like there's a lot of different methodologies based on it could be based on uh, your place in the market lifecycle. Are you exactly. in an emerging market, or a, or a declining, or a mature market? It's going to be Absolutely. completely different strategies. If you're not, if you're not an expert in this area, you're just going to you're going to do a lot better if you had some guidance, or if you hired somebody internally. I don't care what you do. You don't have to hire us, but somebody there. This is a there's a level of experience and training, and repetition. But if you think about a plan, is it not just a hypothesis? Did I not just describe the scientific method? Right. Right. And the plan is your hypothesis. Now, if you, if if you are an expert in marketing, your hypothesis is going to be a lot better than someone who maybe isn't. Um, but it's never going to be a hundred percent because you have to start implementing and testing. And this is something no one wants to hear and that takes time. Right? I've had, I've had people say, you know, I'm afraid to start this marketing thing right now because we have so much work in the, in the next month. You know, if we had an avalanche of work next week, you know, you should be thinking in terms of quarters and six months from now. And, you know, that's if everything goes smoothly and you have a good sales team who can close a deal. What if you get really, let's end with this. I'm going to go to final thoughts. Good.
1: Because
0: I'm just rambling at this point, um, which I love to do. Um, (laughs) So so part of our technical difficulties is all my little buttons moved around. Uh, Uh So I don't know where it is. So stand by, final thoughts. Final thoughts. Oof! Very important to get that graphic in there. Um, final thoughts. My gosh, um, I think it's easy to get disoriented when you're close to your business. I'll share the rest of mine after you go.
1: I feel like the I dominated
0: th- the podcast. Don't want to do that.
1: The only, the only final thoughts I have is again, if you. I'm going back to the marketing plan. I think if you do good research, the marketing plan writes itself. I mean, to me, it really does. The, the information is there, and it makes your life so much easier. I think without it, it's it's going to be a little bit of a challenge. You know, it's going to be a challenge. So that's my those are my two cents.
0: Sometimes it's a question of how much risk are you willing to bear, right? Exactly. Are you a risk taker, or are you somebody that wants to lower your risk. And that's really what your marketing plan should do. That's what marketing research is about. The whole thing is about lowering the the operational risk of going to market. Confirmation bias leads to poor decision making. And I think it's a problem for everyone. Um, And when it comes to sales and marketing or any other part of the business, we talked about that a little bit, a disciplined decision making process based on up to date, real world data, plus your internal say institutionalized data, almost always results in meeting realistic objectives. And I'm embarrassed to say, I don't remember who said this. You could maybe remind me, plan the work, work the plan. Somebody really smart said that. I don't remember. I think it was Peter Drucker. All right.
1: Yeah, it probably was.
0: So argue with him. All
1: right. Let's go with that.
0: (laughs) You know, you don't believe me. There's this guy named Peter Drucker. He's old, old guy, older than us. He's an um, oldie but
1: goodie, though. He had a lot of great insight. You know,
0: but Drucker he didn't talk a lot about external data, which I always thought was kind of fascinating. He was really all about the you know getting data from the organization. But if you start thinking about this confirmation bias, you really need that external data, and you don't have to spend a ton of money on it. Um, uh, it but you just need you do I wish there was a way around all of that, right? It's tedious. It takes discipline. Is there anything in business that's not hard that you know of? Getting sued? (laughs) That's pretty easy. Um, I think everything is hard in business. Marketing is not something that just happens. It's it's not. You're not going to come up with your best marketing ideas over a foosball table. You might
1: come up with a creative idea, but, but you'd still want to test it. So.
0: That's just because you've been smoking weed out the back before the foosball game. But Uh-oh. Uh-oh. but really, your entire business works this way. You sh- your marketing should work this way. Your sales should work this way. Disciplined planning process. Um, and whatever plan you end up with is better than no plan at all. Um, and I think that's, you know... It was a wild and crazy rambling episode today, but I hope people got some value from it.
1: I know I did. Did you? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I had a good time.
0: Hey, listen, if you're curious about the stuff we're talking about, see, we can't really get... I think this is our challenge. It's a short show, people. We even ran long today, but, you know, we're trying to cover a lot of ground for you. We want it to be a good, rich experience, get good information out of it. Um, If you want more information, you can definitely find us very easily shoot us a message and uh, I want to thank our producer Enzo for making this thing happen all over the country uh, and Heidi designs that takes care of all of our visuals and all of our promotion and all that sort of thing. And my amazing ridiculous band for the music that we enjoy every week uh, on the both front and back of the show. We don't need no stock music round here. It's great. <laughs> Have a great week, uh, Bill. And we'll see everybody else uh, next week.
1: You've been listening to the B2B Marketing Mindset with Pete Monfrey and Bill Lowell. Add to the conversation by commenting, sharing and liking. And don't forget to subscribe and check out the links in the comments. Learn more at b2bmarketingmindset.com.